are listening to Open Science Talk, the podcast about, well, open science. Today's topic is the state of open access monographs and what it's like to be a small publisher. My guest today is Lucy Barnes. She is an editor and project coordinator at Open Book Publishers, the leading open access book publisher in the humanities and social sciences in the UK. And it is also the founding member of Discover-led group. Lucy Barnes, welcome to Open Science Talk. Thank you for having me. So uh, I've invited you to talk uh, a bit about um, the scholar-led um, project and um, and OA monographs and where the situations are with with, uh, with you guys on that. You have a quite interesting philosophy on scaling small uh, that I would like to hear about. But first, you have to introduce uh, scholar-led. What is that? Sure. Uh, so scholar-led is a consortium of uh, five open access book presses. Um, we're based. Uh, in the UK, in Europe, and in America. Um, and we came together last year um, as part of um, the, it was an open air funded project, a European funded project, um, to start thinking about alternatives to the book processing charge model of funding open access books. So that's the, the APC equivalent for books, basically. What kind of books are you publishing? So we publish um, academic books, we publish monographs, we publish edited collections, um, and also a few textbooks as well. Um, and what kind of, uh, how do you sell these or what is the, how does people get to read them? Sure. Well, um, so one of the big things obviously is that they're open access. So they're available um, on our website. Um, so this is open book publishers that I'm talking about now. And we're one of the members of Scholar-led. Um, and all of our books are available open access online. Um, they're available in HTML, uh, XML and PDF editions openly. And then you can also buy affordable affordably priced paperbacks, hardbacks, um, and ebook editions. Um, and so I suppose um, we're not necessarily thinking about our work as being within a market, um, but with we're thinking about making scholarly research as openly available as possible. So all of our books are um, peer-reviewed um, when they're proposed. And if the, the research is a good quality, then we will publish the book. And we work quite hard on um, publishing in, in interesting ways. So because a lot of our, well, all of our work is published online as well as being physical copies, we can think about what the digital allows us to do that you can't necessarily do in a physical book. So for example, um, some of our books include embedded audiovisual material when that's relevant to the research and that can really help with the project. So we have a, a book series on oral literature and as part of that, um, many of those books have this embedded material. And so that allows people not just to read about the oral literature, but to see people um, performing it, to see the the physical practices, to hear the sounds. Um, and that's also a kind of archive because some of these communities um, aren't necessarily continuing with these practices. And so in the, if in the future they do die out, then those uh, vi- videos will be openly available via open access. So they won't have to pay to, to be able to see them again. So, so what is this philosophy of scaling small? Uh, tell us about that. So scaling small, um, basically we, as scholar-led, we're all sort of small to mid-sized publishers. So um, two of the smaller members are, are Mattering and Maison, and they publish um, up to around five books a year, sometimes fewer. Then there's Open Book Publishers and uh, Open Humanities Press, and we're sort of around sort of 20, 25 to 35 books a year. And Punctum are slightly larger, but they're still around sort of 40 books a year. So this sort of smallness allows us to be innovative, for example, in the way that I just mentioned about thinking about the formats of our publications. 
Um, we're quite innovative in our business models. So, for example, Open Book Publishers has a mixed funding model, which includes sales, um, grants, and it includes something called a, a library um, membership program. Uh, in which libraries pay an annual fee to support our work and in exchange for, for metadata and for other things. Um, and we're able to be innovative with things like software. So we're creating open source software to help publishers to do um, more open access work. So open book publishers, um, we've produced some software that helps to track engagement with open access books, which helps to make the argument for why they're valuable. So one of the reasons that we're able to to do these things and to respond quickly and innovatively to changes in publishing and in research is because we're small. So when people say to us, well, it's great that you're publishing these books, but you're only publishing 25 a year, 40 a year. You know, how can you get bigger? How can we scale what you're doing? Our response is to say, well, we don't necessarily want one or two of us to get much bigger. We want to think about, can we enable um, more presses like ours to exist and to be sustainable? And so our response to that is to say, we need infrastructure that will allow that growth. And so that's what we mean by scaling small, scaling those smaller scale publishers. So, so what kind of infrastructure are you talking about? So this is where COPIM comes in. Um, so the COPIM project is a community-led uh, open infrastructure for monographs, uh, which you can see why we call it COPIM instead. Um, but basically the idea is uh, to within sort of seven work packages to build different types of systems and infrastructure that will sustain um, open access book publishing. So one of those, for example, is about um, the uh, dissemination, discoverability of the books. So it's great to have open access books, but if nobody knows that they're there, no one's going to read them. So this will be about um, making sure that these books are discoverable within academic library catalogues, within open repositories, um, and within other kinds of, of platforms. Then we've got another one on uh, business models, on uh, developing um, alternative and innovative ways to fund open access books. Um, and potentially looking at ways to um, convert a non-open access book publisher to publishing open access um, and seeing, you know, can we make that transition happen and all without charging the author to publish? Because that's a key aspect of um, Scholar-led, which is that we don't, n none of the presses um, support uh, charging authors to publish um, with us. So that's that's one of the aspects of sustainability that we're thinking about is how can it be sustainable without going down that road? And, and this is not something that you plan on doing in the future as well. This is a uh, um, uh, philosophy that you have from from building the, the, the organization. Yeah, exactly. So the whole sort of ethos that underpins the coping project and which stems from Scholar-led is um, the idea of collaboration rather than competition. So we're not interested, as I said, in one or other of us getting bigger and in trying to compete with each other for resources. We're saying, what can we build if we work together? And how can we therefore grow the number of open access books that we're all individually producing? Uh, so so what is different from, from an organisation who who would try to lock in um, um, in academia uh, using their system. What is different uh, about yours? So the idea with the things that we want to build with the Copen project is that they'll all be open and they'll all be interoperable. So what that means is that you won't have to sign up exclusively to use whichever of the systems that you're interested in with us. Um, and you won't, by using one, therefore be obliged to use all of them. Um, they're all going to be open source, um, as far as I'm aware, which means that um, all the code will be available for others to take and to adapt and to use if they want to. And 
the community governance is is the other key aspect of it. So this is one of the work packages is to develop a community governance model. So we don't want to see one organization, whether that's university or a publisher or funder, whatever it might be, whether that's for profit, whether that's not for profit, we don't want to see one organization controlling these infrastructures. We think there should be um, a community, the scholarly community as a whole that, that's able to to decide, you know, how they how they run and how they operate. Um, so one of the work packages is to research um, what it would involve to create a an effective community governance model and to um, open up conversations with different people and different organizations that we feel might want to be a part of it and to kind of to create that um, as a kind of dedicated part of the project as a whole. Um, so are, are you transparent when it comes to the cost of, of making these books and, and what you actually uh, take uh, for, for buying it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Open Book Publishers, which is the press that I work for, um, we're very open about our costs. We put them um, online. We've blogged about them. We've talked about them at conferences. Um, because one of the things that we're saying about why the work that we're doing can be sustainable is because we're able to do it at lower cost. Um, and some of those savings are on the distribution side because you don't have to, to pay as much to ship copies everywhere when they're available online. But there also seem to be some savings on the production side as well compared to the figures that other presses are reporting and certainly compared to the book processing charges that some publishers are charging um, our costs are significantly less than that and we're very transparent about that in order to make the argument that are there not ways we could be doing this better and making it more affordable um, so we've been having conversations um, about possibly doing a piece of research um, with some other open access and non-open access presses to try and identify what is it that open book publishers is doing that means that we are our costs are lower and can that be adopted by more presses to bring down the cost for everyone so so what do you think do you, do you have an idea what what why you can produce this at a lower cost already um well as i said i think distribution is is a factor um in that um but otherwise it's difficult to, to, to pin and point exactly what it is because you know we have stringent peer review processes as others pu other publishers do. Um, we put significant time and attention into the editorial process so that the books are in the best shape they could be. Um, and on the production side, you know, we, we, as I've said, we do a lot of work in terms of um, experimental and innovative ways of presenting um, the material. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, it, I mean, it may be a function of scale, perhaps, that as organizations get bigger, things get costlier, although that's that's often not you know, the argument, the argument is often if you get bigger, there's an economy of scale. And I think that's true on the distribution side. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to find out more from from other publishers, I suppose, for them to speak to why their costs are at the level that they are. So we often talk about um, journals and articles. Um, where is the state of, uh, of uh, monographs in all this? Uh, how do you see it? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, journals and journal articles are often the focus of discussions about open access. Um, and I think that's possibly partly because um, there is a lot more money um, in the publication of journal articles. Um, and I think as a result, that actually gives us something of an opportunity on the book side, because, you know, so many um, big publishers have a lot of prestigious journals that they publish um, and are able to, to some degree, to sort of set the terms then, um, because a lot of scholars want to publish in those journals for career reasons and to be able to reach um, a particular audience. But on the book side, although there is an issue with the prestige of certain publishers, um, there isn't the same kind of big organization attempting yet to to be the one-stop shop, if, if 
that's a good way of putting it. So there is, I think, um, a window here for open access um, book presses um, and for uh, you know people like OBP who have a certain idea about how we think open access um, book publishing should be, that we don't think it should involve charging authors, um, You know that we think uh, it should mean not just a PDF stuck online, but it should mean lots of different kinds of editions that can be reused in different ways. Uh, we have an opportunity, I think, to make that argument um, in terms of where the broader publishing landscape is. And that's why I think it's really exciting that Research England and Arcadia and other um, organisations are funding COPIM to help us build the infrastructure to try and make this um, a bigger thing. Um, Lucy Barnes, it has been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Hi, everyone. This podcast is produced by the University Library at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Thanks for listening.